My name is Blake Hilgenfeld. I'm one of the pastors here at Province Road. I want to welcome you uh, to this unusual Easter service. Can we just all be honest and talk about how we're actually feeling in this moment? It's unusual in the sense of we're celebrating this Easter service at home with our families, watching it on a screen. The body of Christ, we are divided, we are separated in this time. And it's just, it's not right. It doesn't feel right because it's not right. We live in a world that is not right. It is full of death and sickness and disease. We were never meant to experience anything like this. We were never meant to experience sickness and disease and death. And we were never meant to experience the anxiety and the fear that comes with these things. But let's not lose hope. There is great hope for us today, even in the midst of this uncertain time. And what is our hope? Our hope is this, that there is one who is greater than all sickness and disease. There is one who promises to one day make all things right. There is one who has defeated death itself, and that is Jesus, the risen and reigning King. He's alive. Jesus is alive. So come and let us cling to this life-saving, freedom-giving, it is well with my soul truth that Christ is risen. Come and let us celebrate and worship our King and Savior. Let me read this over us. Before Jesus was crucified, he was headed up to Jerusalem with his disciples and said this, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, and flogged, and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Let's focus and let us turn our eyes on the King, Jesus, who was alive and reigning as we speak. Good morning. Would you turn with me now to Matthew 28? I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow, and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Let us spend some time confessing our sin to King Jesus. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory. 
Too often we turn to the riches of this world for comfort in order to numb the pain of our souls apart from your presence. We confess that we have worshipped the idol of comfort. Forgive us, O God of all comfort. Too often we twist our relationships with God and try to use Him to accomplish our purposes, desires, and ambitions as though power is ours and He serves us. We confess that we have worshipped the idol of power. Forgive us, O God of all power. Too often we strive to eliminate uncertainty by trying to control our health, relationships, and circumstances as true security. We confess that we have worshipped the idol of control. Forgive us, O God, ruler of all. Too often we spend our lives seeking the applause and good opinions of those around us and attempt to prove our worth in this world. We confess that we have worshipped the idol of approval. Forgive us, O God, who defines our worth. We have all exchanged the glory of God for idols. Let's take a few moments and remember our need for God's amazing grace and forgiveness is found in Jesus. The resurrection tells us and proves that Jesus is God and that God is the only one that has the power to forgive all sin. And so we celebrate today that the stone was rolled away and Christ is risen, showing us and declaring to the world that Jesus is the King and the power to save. So for all those who look to the Son of God, Hear this promise that Jesus makes. Jesus, the idol crusher, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. The God of all comfort sees you in your distress, and he promises to be near. And he promises to defend all who call upon his name. Through Jesus, you have been given the spirit of not fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Your sovereign king works all together for your good, and you are free to rest in his control that never, ever, ever fails. Your father gets the final word over you as a child of God, as a son and daughter found in Christ, which says this, you are my child whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. God, our Father, supplies all of our needs to the riches of his glory that's found in Jesus. So we've taken some time to confess our own sin to God and to receive the assurance of God's love for us through what his son Jesus Christ has done for us. So now in these next few moments, we're going to turn our prayers outward toward those around us, both in our community and throughout the world. So as we've been making phone calls to covenant members, to you guys uh, throughout these last few weeks, we've been receiving questions from you. And many of you are asking, what can we do to help? How can we serve the body? 
So as the people of God, there are so many things that we could be doing right now. But there is one thing that we can do both today and every other day that can serve those around us. And that is to pray big prayers of faith, believing that God hears us, that he sees us, and that he acts in our world based on the prayers of those who love him. This week we'll do this just a little bit different. So I'm gonna share some things that I'd like you to pray for. And once I do, you can pause the video to pray for them and then just restart the video once you're finished. So today I'll be asking us to pray for three specific groups of people. First, pray for the physically vulnerable among us, those who are currently sick or those who might be defenseless to this virus. Pray that the mercy of God and his power to heal would miraculously sweep over our city, our country, and our world. Pray that they would know the love and kindness of God, that they would find freedom and joy in Jesus. Pray for the families of the sick who are, who are confused and they're hurting and they're unable to comfort those they love because of this virus. Pray also for the economically vulnerable, those who have lost their jobs, or those who are in danger of doing so. Pray that the Lord would sustain them and, and pray for them by name. Pray for the people in your life that you know who have either lost a job or who, who could do so very soon. Pray for them by name. Pray also that they would trust God, that, that God would provide for them and that, and that their dependence would be on God alone. And finally, pray for the spiritually vulnerable, those who are far from God, that they would be brought near to him. Friends, this morning, right now, all over the world, videos are being broadcast and churches are maybe streaming live and they're proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and he's risen from the grave. Pray for those churches right now. Pray also for people who are tuning in, maybe for the first time in the midst of this whole pandemic, that are hearing the gospel message, the good news of Jesus, that they would hear this good news and that they would respond in faith. So go ahead and pause the video now, take, taking time to pray for the physically, economically, and spiritually vulnerable people among us. Let us look now to Psalm 70, 4 and 5 as our uh, collective prayer this morning. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say evermore, God is great, but we are poor and needy. Hasten to us, O God, for you are our help and our deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. Amen. When God the Father sent his son Jesus into the world, he stepped into our brokenness and he took on our sin. He gave all of himself so that we could have access to the creator God of the universe. And what a gift that was to us. Because he gave all of himself for all of us, we respond by submitting all of our lives back to God. And one of those ways that we respond in worship to the kindness and generosity of God is by stewarding well the resources that he has entrusted to us. So here is how we're asking you to respond today. First, if you're a covenant member of Providence Road and you find yourself in hardship right now, either you've lost your job or you're struggling to pay bills or maybe you're feeling sick or you're concerned you might get sick and you can't even go get grocery, groceries. 
If you are impacted by any of these things, would you contact us and let us know? And as church leadership, as your family, covenant members of Providence Road, we want to step into that with you and help you and support you in this time. And secondly, if you're a covenant member of Prov Road and your income hasn't been affected, if you're still able to work, we're asking you to give. Your generosity in response to what God has done for you is what supports church plants throughout the world, the ministries of Providence Road, and serves the hurting among us. So if that's you, again, we are asking that you give. So on your worship guide, we've, we've listed the ways in which you can give. Online at provroad.org give. You can give physically, either in person or by mail to our downtown Norman office, or by texting, sending a text message to 84321. Friends, it's an honor to serve King Jesus with you as we seek to make disciples that make disciples in our community, in our country, and throughout the world. We thank you for partnering with us in this way. It is good to be with you on this Easter Sunday. Two of the things that this season that we find ourselves in has done, in my opinion, is one, revealed uh, what we actually hope in. What we, what we stake our lives on. And two, it has shown us how quick those things can be taken away from us, outside of our control. Almost overnight, um, we've had those feelings of, of loss. And there's one truth in the Bible that I think God would want us to hear during this time. One truth, the most important truth. And we're going to be looking at that today. This man named Jesus was once dead and is now alive. And this is the message and the person where true hope comes from. Before uh, the, the quarantine, we were uh, preaching through the book of 1 Corinthians as a church. We were going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We were about in chapter 4 before um, we had to stop gathering on Sundays and uh, we were going to preach over 1 Corinthians 15 when Easter got here, which it is here now. So we're going to spend some time in 1 Corinthians today looking at the resurrection. So now I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 of 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says this, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So here Paul is talking about the gospel. He's about to go into this. Listen to verse three. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas, which is another name for Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and brothers and sisters, you could say, at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And before we go any further, I want to say that we believe that this is a true event. This really happened. And Paul, I think, uh, makes sure that we get that in the, the detail he gives us in verses 5 and 6. He tells us that Jesus appeared to a whole lot of people after he rose from the dead. It says 500. 
That's a lot of people, a lot of witnesses, eyewitnesses that saw Jesus um, walking around after he was supposedly dead and buried. In any court, judicial court case today, if you get 500 witnesses for your case on anything, you have a really good chance of winning in the court of law. And Paul's trying to show that there are a lot of witnesses to Jesus being risen from the dead. So we believe this is true. And and, and I pray that you would consider the claims of the resurrection if you have any doubts about those uh, today. But the, the bigger question I think for us today is, why does this matter? Why does this resurrection matter, especially in a time like we find ourselves in right now? And for followers of Jesus, the resurrection is the key event in the Bible. Some of you may say, well, what about the cross? What about the crucifixion? And it is right there, maybe a close second. But listen to what Paul says about the importance of the resurrection to our faith later on in chapter 15. Let's look at verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. Listen to verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those who have, all, who have fallen asleep, which means have died, in Christ have perished. Verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, or if this life is all there is, Paul's saying, he says, we are of people most to be pitied. Well, Paul says that the resurrection is not true. If it didn't happen, that of all the people in the world to be pitied, Christians should be at the top of the list to be pitied the most if this didn't happen. The Bible says to become a follower of Jesus, we put our faith and trust in him. And when that happens, there's a term in the Bible called the union with Christ, that we are united to him in a very real spiritual way. His actions become our actions, his life becomes our life. And there are many benefits we have as a result of being unified to Christ. Uh, But for the rest of our time, I want to briefly cover the three that I think are highlighted in the truth of the resurrection. And here are those three. Number one, this God named Jesus, this God named came into our world and suffered, came down from heaven into our broken and messed up world and suffered. He experienced everything we experienced. He experienced emotions. He experienced loss. He experienced pain. He was, he was born like all human beings are born. He knows what it's like to feel pain and anxiety and isolation. He actually experienced all of these things in one night there in the Garden of Gethsemane where he was crying out to his father that he, 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 he wanted there to be another way. There was part of him that wanted that, but yet he trusted the father's will in that moment. And so this, this idea of, of unjust suffering, it is real. Sometimes we're going to suffer and we had nothing to do with it. A lot of us are feeling that in the present moment. And one of the things that I've encouraged uh, people um, as I've been talking to people in this moment is to not sweep your emotions under the rug or your, if you're grieving, don't just um, kind of minimize those and expect those just to go away because they're uncomfortable. Jesus wants those. He wants us to come to him with, with everything we're grieving about, with our pain, with our loss, with our anger, with our sadness. 
Jesus invites us into relationship because he knows. He knows. He knows what it is like. So don't minimize your grieving. It's okay. Christianity says come because Jesus has experienced. So that's number one. He knows us. He's experienced what, what we have experienced. Number two, there's a promise of the afterlife. There will be a resurrection from the dead in the afterlife. Listen to what Paul says further down in chapter 15 and verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. Listen to this. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Paul's not saying that there's not going to be a death. We're, as human beings, we're all going to, to die an earthly death. That is coming to us all. But what Paul is saying here, because the resurrection guarantees that there's going to be an afterlife, guarantees there's going to be a resurrection of those who believe in him, um, it, it, it changes the way we view pain. It changes our perception of suffering here in this life if we know that there is going to be an afterlife, if we know that what we see and experience on earth is not all there is. It doesn't minimize it necessarily. That pain is still real. We still grieve. We still mourn. And bad things still happen to Christians on earth. We fully believe that. Our Savior suffered. We know that. But it changes the way we view it. It gives us this hope that no matter what happens in this life, we know what's coming. We know what's next. And Paul would say, take me. He actually says this in another part of the Bible. He goes, he goes take me. It's better to be with Jesus. I'm not, I don't fear death because I know I'll be with the one whom I love for all eternity. So number one, Jesus knows what we're going through. He knows what we've experienced. Number two, he, 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 this, his resurrection guarantees an afterlife that we'll, we will be raised from the dead. Number three, he is alive and with us now. When you look at the sermons and teachings of the early leaders of the church, like Paul and Peter after the resurrection of Christ and his ascension, they focus mostly on the resurrection, actually more than the cross. And so you may ask, well, why did they do that? Um, well, a lot of people that were listening were not followers of Jesus, uh, were, had some doubts, had some reservations about all that Jesus said he was. So the, so the early leaders in the church preached the resurrection because this is the proof that Jesus was God. And this is why Paul is saying our faith stands on the resurrection in this chapter in 1 Corinthians. It means he has the authority to forgive sins. He has the authority to give eternal life. He has the authority to turn anxiety into peace, anger into joy, isolation into communion with him, hate and indifference into love. He has the authority through the Holy Spirit to change people's hearts. And this is the gospel. This is the good news. He is alive today. And when you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. And he motivates you and he comforts you. And that is the way we stay connected to Jesus. That's how we have relationship with Jesus is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So wherever you're at, whatever, whoever you are listening to this, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, I would pray as you um, maybe 
quit listening to this here in a second. I, I want you to, to think and, and, and pray and reflect on the resurrection, what it, what it means for you. Think about these three things. Let it solidify your faith and strengthen your faith and that it would move you to come to him and read his word and come to him in prayer. Bring your pain and your grief to him. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have access to God. Now, if you're watching this and you're not a follower of Jesus, or you haven't been in church in a while, maybe you haven't opened your Bible in a while, but here's what I want to say to you. I want to make sure you hear the gospel, the good news this morning, and how this resurrection ties into this. Number one, this, this, this idea of Christianity, of believing in Jesus, it isn't just for good people. That's not how you enter the kingdom. That's not how you enter into a relationship is by being a good person. There's only one who has ever been good enough as it relates to God, and that is Jesus so this isn't about being good. This is about realizing you're broken, having humility, coming to God and saying, I can't save myself. I need someone to save me. That is what Christianity is all about. Yes, after we're saved and, and, and Jesus' grace covers us and we have his righteousness, do we try to uh, live lives that honor God? Of course we do. But the entry point to Christianity is not by being a good person. It's by trusting that Jesus is the one who can cover your sins and, and, and reconcile you back to God the Father. And the second thing, aspect of the gospel I want to focus on is, is it's, it's not about good things necessarily happening to you. It's not when you believe in Jesus, life turns out well for you. We know that from the life of Jesus. And his closest uh, followers, uh, most of them suffered horrible deaths. It's not about having this great life and having health and wealth and prosperity if you believe. But here's what it does do. When you do go through those things, which most of us will, we'll go through pain and suffering like we're going through now, you have one who's been through it, you're united to him, and you can go to him anytime like a child can go to a father when he's afraid. That's what is guaranteed us in the midst uh, of times that are struggling, when we lose loved ones, when life is not going the way we thought it would, we can come to him because he listens and he knows us. And the last thing I want to highlight is that G, this isn't some impersonal religion or, or faith where there's some God up there that we don't really know much about him. No, the scriptures say that Jesus is the exact imprint and nature of God. When we see Jesus, we see God and we know him. So we have a personal relationship with the creator, God. He's intimately involved in all the details of our lives. We can talk to him. We can pray to him. We can read about him in his word. This is another benefit of the gospel. So here is, is my plea to you. If, you. if you haven't professed faith or you haven't thought about this, I, I would pray that you would trust in him to be your savior. That you would trust that, he, that, that if you have faith in him and believe what he, did, he did what he said he did and he, he was who he said he was, if you believe those things, then your sin can be taken away from you. That the punishment for your sin can be taken away. You can be reconciled to God even now in this moment. So if that describes you, uh, please reach out to us. Um, private message us on Facebook. Go to our website and, and, and send an email. And you can even email me, jeremy at provro.org. We want to we talk to you. If you're hurting, we, we, we want to hear from you. We want to walk with you through this. If you have any questions about faith, we are here for you. Um, let me pray for us and, and close our time together. Father... I thank you for your son. I thank you in these turbulent times that we find ourselves in, that we don't have to pretend that there's not pain and sweep it under the rug and, and say kind of cliche things like we're, we're all going to get through this together. And, oh, it's all going to be all right. And, and 
that, that's easy to say until you've lost a loved one to this or you've lost a job as a result of this disease, this virus. So as Christians, we acknowledge that there's pain and suffering and we don't have to sweep those things under the rug. But we also don't need to panic. We don't need to think our world is coming undone. We don't have to fear for our life because we know that there's an afterlife, that there's an eternity, that we have the opportunity to live with him for all eternity. And death has lost its sting and Jesus has, has, has accomplished victory over sin. He's conquered it. And we can trust in that even as our world around us feels it's maybe collapsing for some of us watching this. So help us. I pray that you would reveal yourself. I, I'm thankful that your son is alive and we can trust and walk with him. And I pray above everything that you would be glorified and your son would be honored. Amen. I want to read this over us as we end this. Luke chapter 24, starting verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written, of the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. May the God of peace, who raised to life the great shepherd of the sheep, make us ready to do his will in every good thing through Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit, to whom be glory forever and ever. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. He is risen. Love you guys. Have a great Easter.